DJ, what do you see right there? A coat rack. No. I see a big, beautiful Christmas tree. Joseph, what do you see back there? Vending machines. No. I see a Christmas dinner with all the trimmings. Pop, what do you see back there? Conveyor belt. No. I see... Okay, yes, that's a conveyor belt. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make here is that we can give these kids the best darn Christmas they ever had. And you know why? Because outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you who. <laughs> Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. Wow, Tim, I apologize. Mm -hmm. If you go back and you listen to your opening and you hear me, like, doing some weird throat noise, I I want to apologize for that. Because just as you started talking, I had taken a sip of water, and I don't know if my throat just got back to its normal shape or something but it i i did it wasn't quite a burp but it was a noise and then i started to laugh but i held that in so i'm apologizing for ruining your opening if if i did and now i'm apologizing for ruining everything after the opening well that's a lot there's a lot after the opening but that's our new opening folks Holiday burps. No, I didn't hear anything. And maybe I'll hear it when I go back and oh, edit this. But no, I all I heard was a I heard I heard of my voice, which didn't sound like me, sounded a little blase. And then I heard you come in sounding I thought really proud. And then all of a sudden you're talking about <laughs> festive Christmas gas, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I'm really so. using my hands. Nobody can see this, but I'm my hands are all over the place while I talk right wow. now. I don't know. I you know like when people do William Shatner impressions and they kind of lunge their shoulders forward and their hands yes. are overturned like they're holding plate. I'm doing that. Okay. Kind of I'm kind of doing that, and then now that I know that I'm turning them the other way, and now I'm just, I'm kind of moving, I do this a lot, actually, I move my hands like I'm Galvatron turning into the cannon, and I have to fold them into my wrists. You know what, this beginning, <laughs> if I didn't know better, if I hadn't read the title in the show notes, I wouldn't know that this is a Christmas episode, I wouldn't really even know this was an episode, in fact, I might think, huh, they sure hit recording early this time. Oh God! Merry Christmas! Merry think, Christmas! It would have been would have been the better start, right? Yeah, it's coming up. We're we're, we're practically there. It's it's uh, it's what I like to think is a annual holiday episode of our show. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I do like this where we, um, and I hope I'm not giving anything away, but where we watch old holiday episodes of our youth. We, uh, we each pick two. We're going to do four sitcoms. We're going to discuss uh, four <clears throat> holiday-themed sitcoms. And actually, of, of the four we picked, these aren't actually shows that I really watched a lot. Oh, no? No, I've seen them all. And I think I saw them when they aired sporadically. But I, these weren't shows that I watched regularly on, yeah. on, a, on a weekly basis. Yourself? Or, I mean, are uh, these- two, of them, two of them, I would say, I pretty much watched regularly. Uh, one I, I watched initially and then didn't get into it. And then the other, I never really watched at all. All right. Well, if we can keep it this vague for the well, duration I hope of the show. the whole um, episode will be this vague. Well, I'll tell you what I hope. Or not what I hope. I think what I've hoped has come to pass. Um, there's a program. There's a TV show. There, there's a particular NBC sitcom that we've mentioned on our show a couple times. Uh, an NBC sitcom that I'm... 
publicly not a fan of and privately also not a fan of. And, and, and we've discussed it before, but we've never discussed an episode of it. So I thought instead of doing four of them on a binging <laughs> podcast or, you know, instead of uh, what doing like a, a, a complete season, a complete run or, you know, or instead of doing a, a new podcast where we go minute by minute per episode, um, I, I, I thought we would we, we could start off today by discussing a Christmas episode of an NBC sitcom that I know you know. I know I don't like. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, Monk featuring Superman's voice starring Cheers spinoff, Wings. Is it really a Cheers spinoff? That is new information to me. Or it's connected to Cheers. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of the same staff. I think the Cheers characters showed up on it a couple times. I don't, I don't know if it's rightfully spun out, but it exists in the Cheers universe. It shares... Uh, oxygen with Frasier and the Tortellis, and apparently Saint Elsewhere. So a lot of shows follow suit. But the episode we're going to talk about, Wings. Well, what what was Wings? Did was this a show you watched? Were you familiar with Wings? No this this was the this was the series of the four that I did not watch. Oh. I never I never watched the Wings. Did you not have the USA Network from eight in the morning till noon in the mid nineties? I did, but I didn't watch it at that time. But yeah, it was. I mean, that's why I'm aware of it. You can't not be aware of Wings. So going into it, when I because this was one of the Christmas episodes I suggested, I I pulled an episode from the fourth season, um, episode ten, called "The Customers Usually Right," and it aired December seventeenth, nineteen ninety, shortly before Christmas. So, given what we know of Wings to be as a TV show, what were you maybe expecting from this as a Christmas episode? Given because what I thought maybe is. As we look at each of these today, let's kind of see, like, going into them each time, I was expecting a certain trope. I mentioned them briefly at the top of the show, but I think we've watched enough Christmas episodes that there are tropes that tend to repeat in in a Christmas-themed episode. Yeah. Um, and you were asking me what I was expecting from this one entitled The Customer's Usually Right. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Also, given the fact that it's at an airport, given the fact that it's a Christmas episode, workplace sitcom, like what 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 might work? I wouldn't have been surprised if uh, the customers in this particular episode were uh, people that were trying to get somewhere on a flight out of the airport or just came into the airport and they somehow got stuck at the airport. And now you've got these these customers uh, milling around in the in the waiting area, um, interacting with our regular crew and and uh miracles of miracles might occur and and they'll finally get home or something sounds great i mean that makes sense it's it's that traveler's nightmare it's the we're stranded because of the snowstorm um given the fact that wings you know we've got our regulars we've got tony shalhoub's character not sure what he does exactly we have the dim-witted mechanic we have the two bickering brothers one who's kind of straight laced that's the tim daly if i'm pronouncing his name right and the other who's kind of the loose cannon sexaholic that's steven weber and his gigantic leather jacket and they i think co-own the airport so they've got their conflict of 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 personalities Crystal Bernhard, who uh, I guess is an aspiring violinist or cellist, didn't come up in this episode, but I saw some pictures of other episodes. Interesting. She, I guess, works there too. Maybe she works in the dining area. I'm not sure. And then you've got the chubby guy who does all the announcements. But then you've also got the old lady who I think also does all the announcements. So I'm not sure what their positions are. But you've got all these people here. So 
conceivably somebody in here could have the bah humbug attitude. Somebody in the setting could be the, oh, I hate Christmas guy yeah. or, or the it's so commercial guy and, and, and somehow set out the problems of how they don't want to celebrate the holidays while the other characters kind of embrace it and, and try to pump them up. I mean, all of that would make sense given the sitcom setup, but we're not writing this episode of Wings. We're, we're reviewing it. And ultimately the plot, the plot of the show this episode, this Christmas magical miracle of an episode, revolves around renting a movie from a video store? Yeah. Sort of. That's it. That's kind <clears throat> of it. I, I mean, there is a little bit of the fact that, I mean, you've got Tony Shalhoub wanting to get into Boston for the holidays. you got the chubby guy having to spend the holiday with his, his, his mother. But you've got our core three characters, the Steve Weber, the Tim Daly, and the Sandra Bernhard, all expressing how they don't like Christmas. And they have a Christmas tradition, I think, of getting together at one of their houses, renting a movie from the local video store, and, and watching it, which, honestly, I, I kind of liked that, the concept of that. I, when I suddenly realized, wow, a good portion of this plot is going to be taking place at a video store, I was thrilled. <laughs> I was thrilled to see a plot point that could never happen today, <laughs> which is going somewhere to rent a physical copy of something. Because yeah. I think what happens is they rent... Um, did they rent Psycho? I don't remember. They, they All the yeah. Christmas movies are apparently out. Yeah, apparently they usually watch a Christmas movie, but they were all out. And so, yeah, he picked up uh, a Psycho. You're right. Yeah, that's what he picked up. Um, but then he also got charged a fee of 50 cents for his return because he didn't rewind the previous movie. And so he gets outraged about owing 50 cents or having paid an extra 50 cents that he storms back down to the video store to try to debate this charge. And this, as a plot point, doesn't really seem to be part of the Christmas season, doesn't even really seem to need the Christmas season. No, this could have happened in any episode at any time of the year. I mean, fortunately for him, the other two leads come along and they're looking, suddenly there are Christmas movies available. So they're kind of thumbing through videos. They want to rent something else. But um, what happens is that the the, uh, the Tim Daly character goes to the front of the line to debate his 50 cent charge to some sort of 90s version of a slacker who What's works Anthony there. Kiedis? That's Anthony Kiedis? It's not actually Anthony Kiedis, oh, but, but it's, okay. it's, it's the NBC... Thursday night version of Anthony Kiedis, I think. It's your grandmother's Anthony Kiedis, <laughs> who's working there and gives some talk back to, to Tim Daly's character, calling him 30 years old, which struck me as horrifying <laughs> that that's supposed to be old. But he's kind of the, 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 the uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the impression. It's not like I just had a stroke, but he's doing like a, like a California dude voice, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, you, was that maybe NBC's version of a grunge voice? A uh, grunge um, valley boy, perhaps. That's not Combo. a thing. A grunge Valley Boy, I don't think exists. Well, no, but I think perhaps... that's, that's why this was not a very well-made character. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a demographic attempt to appeal to an unexistent, non-existent uh, demographic, yeah. um, which I guess describes the audience of Wings. Uh, but <laughs> but this guy, I guess, is the manager, and as Tim Daly argues, the uh, the fact that he doesn't that he wants his fifty cents refunded for this overdue charge, which again, this aired in nineteen ninety, but even by nineteen ninety, an overdue videotape was at least what the price of the tape. Or at least half the price of the tape, like fifty yeah. cents, seemed like a strange. Well, it wasn't. Arbitrary it wasn't overdue. Number. It was a rewind fee. Okay, the be kind rewind, but 
that seems like a very nominal amount for 1990. I mean, the the the, the economy was doing well at the start of the 90s decade. We were in a, a the, whatever the opposite of a recession is. I'm talking way beyond my grasp of financial matters. But 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 the the, the speak of the story, he debates the validity of this charge. The young Anthony Kiedis brings out the woman who's in charge of, of rewinding, rewinding tapes. Yeah. And it's this old lady. It's this 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 older um, lady who I guess works there because it's the only job it's she can do. Her name is Debbie. She's yeah. a grandmother. And she's this sweet old lady and um, gets challenged by Tim Daly that claimed that she that he didn't rewind the tape. I'm having so much trouble describing this to make it interesting. I forgot it's a Christmas episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you want to take over, feel free. Well, yeah, he basically accused her of, of making a mistake. She felt terrible because she she tries really hard not to make mistakes. And uh, she feels so bad that she's giving him 50 cents out of her own little uh, coin purse. And everybody else who, by the way, is kind of crowded around is like, oh, my God, why are you doing this to this woman? Um, he refuses to take the money, but apparently she's made these mistakes before. And so Anthony Kiedis says, hey, this is your this was your last chance and I got to fire you. And he fires her. On Christmas Eve, and because of Tim Daly, she gets fired, and he, I think it's his 50 cents back. Does he end up taking it from her? I can't recall that. I shielded my eyes. I was so struck by what was happening. Well, the the, 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 the line turns on him, but I guess they eventually rent a movie. They return back to the airport, and Tim Daly's character is feeling guilty. He's feeling guilty bit. with what happened. He got this woman fired yeah. on... Uh, on Christmas Eve. So uh, I, does he go back to the Well, what happens or? is he finds out that uh, our Thomas Hayden church character had unbeknownst to Tim Daly watched Sea of Love, um, probably somewhere in the office there. And uh, he's the one that didn't rewind it. So in fact, it wasn't rewound. Tim Daly had rewound it, thought nobody else had watched it, but, but Thomas Hayden Church had. He didn't rewind it. So in fact, the woman was correct. It wasn't rewound. He did owe the 50 cents. So he did go back or called the place and found out that after the woman, after Debbie got fired, she fainted, collapsed, and was unconscious. And now she was at a hospital. So, so, Merry so Christmas. racked with guilt. Yes, exactly. Racked <laughs> with guilt. Tim Daly wants to go and check on her because he feels bad that on Christmas he got her fired and may have killed her. And that's that's a conceivable that, – that makes you like your lead, right? He's yeah. got some sympathy there. He may have killed someone the same day he got them to lose their job. So we're taking a lot of time to explain this episode. I guess we're just kind of getting into the it, it, This is going to turn into our Wings episode, Tim. I think this is our Wings yeah. episode. This will turn into one of our lower-rated episodes. <laughs> um, so he goes to the hospital, which I guess is easy to do. It's a small town. And he finds her room, and he's greeted by a large crowd of, a crowd of people uh, celebrating with, with a Christmas tree, singing Christmas carols. And he's met at the door by this gentleman who looks a lot like Fraser Crane, the way that he's dressed and his hairline and all. And it turns out that he's, I think, uh, the Debbie's son, Am I correct on that? That's correct. And you know, when, when he, once he heard she was in the hospital, he gathered all his family together and just they wanted to have the best Christmas she possibly can. So they bring her, bring everyone around. They're yeah. all kind of celebrating. I don't think we there. mentioned this is all happening Christmas Eve. Oh, this is a Christmas episode. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. And we would know that <laughs> if we were following the B plot, which we're not going to discuss. <laughs> but um, 
So he's in the hospital room and, and, and everyone's happy that he's there and he pretends to be someone else because he doesn't want to let them know that he's the reason she's here in the hospital. And so there's some comical misunderstanding while he has to pretend to be this guy named Jed. I think he leads a sing-along. And I don't know, but how does it end? How does everything wrap up Wait, by the it, end? It just sort of does end. He finds a way to just sneak out. She wakes up. And that's it. Christmas miracle. Let's sing joy to the world, I think, is what happened. She's okay. So she doesn't find out that he was there, does she? Right. She doesn't find out she was there. She doesn't, or, uh, you know, we don't find out if she gets her job back. Uh, we don't find out if she's fine. I mean, she woke up, but she could have had a stroke and is unable to speak. We don't know any of this. I think she does speak. I think oh, we yeah? see her talk. But 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 he kind of sneaks out. And... What the they they pan up to the stars? Don't they give you a little bit of an "It's a Wonderful Life" ending? Oh yeah, they, they give you kind of like a nod to "It's a Wonderful Life," because they because the, the family presumed you know, when they turned to talk to Jed, who's no longer there, they feel like he might have been an angel who showed up to to uh, bring Grammy back from unconsciousness. And then yeah, one of the kids says he thinks he heard a bell ring, and then they pan up to the the clouds and the stars to remind you that it's Christmas. Yeah. It's a very abrupt ending. It was. Could have come sooner, though. I would have not minded. If if maybe it was a one-act episode. I don't know. I It wasn't too schmaltzy. I appreciated, appreciated the sure. fact that it wasn't too, too saccharine. But, yeah, I don't – it was a huge missed opportunity on all fronts. I don't know what the previous three years' Christmas episodes were like. But it just yeah. – it, it, it seemed like it pushed away all the predictable angles you could go – to give this very strange story that I guess is supposed to touch it. Like, where's the holiday cheer in this? Where's the holiday comeuppance or turn, you know, turn yeah. of the cheek? Like, I, did you feel like Tim Daly's character even got a little bit of, 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 of perspective, Christmas perspective on this? No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I think maybe they were trying to hint at, you know, even when you're in a bad situation like Grammy was, you can still kind of find some joy in the holiday season. But that was like a, a tiny little add-on at the end. It wasn't our main story. So, yeah, there, it wasn't... It wasn't even our main characters. Right. Yeah. It's it's not... To me, again, like we said, that this could have been any other episode at any other time of the year. They didn't need Christmas to uh, tell this bit of a story. So not a classic episode, not a classic show, <laughs> probably not something we needed to visit and probably won't be visiting again. Uh, um, wait, that's our, but, so that's our wings moment. We did it. Yeah. We, we talked did. wings. How uh, mark it in the show notes. <laughs> um, so you can skip it. I should have told them that at the beginning. But uh, they, they keep moving. We, we, we watched three other shows and maybe these three other shows, it sounds like you were more familiar with, 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 with the next three. Yeah. And the second one, uh, especially, the second one uh, that we're going to talk about is an episode of Full House. And I watched lots of Full House growing up. Yeah, we, we've done, we did an episode about it a couple years ago. We did yeah. talk about Full House. Um, this is from the second season. Um, this was episode nine, entitled Our Very First Christmas Show, which when you gave me the title, I was searching through the first season, but this aired in the second. Um, do you remember this episode airing? Was this something you, you watched when it was first on? Um, I, I must have, and I recognized it, and it was a very familiar feeling. It's like I haven't been back to it in forever. Um, but then when it was airing, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen next. 
Uh, so that was kind of fun to kind of reminisce. But did you know what was going to happen on the basis of seeing it before or because it's formulaic as a sitcom goes? Uh, it's probably a little bit of that too. But it didn't mm-hmm. didn't hurt that I had already seen the episode. So Full House kind of started, I think, when we discussed this, I think, on a previous episode. It was originally kind of about the three guys, Danny, Jesse, and Joey. Yeah. And they had to raise these kids. And as the show progresses, the kids become more prominent. And that's what people are tuning in for. All the kids have their catchphrases. People seem to like them. Was this aimed at kids yet, or was this still potentially the show about the adults? Um, I think this was still – I think this was probably the transition period, perhaps, um, because it was still a show about the adults – um, especially the Joey, um, uh, excuse me, not, not Joey, Jesse and Aunt Becky storyline. That, that, that was a, a romance kind of going on that I don't think the kids would have cared about so much. Um, so I think that was still kind of aiming at adults. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the kid factor was just starting to come in. I think, um, oh shit, what's the name of the baby? I can't think of her name all of a sudden. Michelle? Yeah, Michelle. I think Michelle was just starting to get a couple words in. Um, and so once she starts talking. You the, got it, dude. She yeah. sure did. As soon as she started talking, that's all you wanted to watch. Well, that's all you may have wanted to watch. <laughs> I, But it makes sense. I mean, I do get why kids like the show. And you've explained in the past why you like it. And as a kid watching a sitcom, you would want a Christmas episode, right? Yeah. yeah. That, would, that would probably be there. Um I did find it odd, like they're even saying the title, our very first Christmas show, so they didn't do one their first season. Is this, given the the, the world of the show, Danny Tanner uh, lost his wife, I believe, in a car accident? Uh, I think it was just an illness. Or to a, to a, a very sick car that hit yeah. her. And he had three daughters, and so to raise them, I guess, his, his dead wife's brother... Uh, Uncle Joey, and then uh, Jesse, Danny's best friend, Uncle Jesse, excuse me, and then Danny's best friend, Joey, all moved into the house together to raise these girls. That's kind of the plot. That's the driving force yeah. of it. Would this be the first holiday without her? Or maybe the second? Like how, where um, where does this fall in Danny's life, that this, this holiday season without his wife? I think, I think it's his, the second one without her. I, I don't remember... Because he's coping really well. Yeah, the the first few, um, the first season, um, she's already been passed for a few months, buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't think this was about the kids dealing with mom not being there for the first time. I don't, I don't think. Okay. Well, good. Maybe that's the better choice. Um, yeah. w- what it what it does seem to be about is. What this this episode took a long time to kind of get into any sort of plot. Yeah, eventually it became about the fact that they were traveling uh, for the holidays. And uh, did you travel by airplane for the holidays on Christmas Eve? Was that something you did? I never did that. No, my family was was within like six blocks of each other growing up. So that so that's not a relatable point to me. I don't quite. Yeah. I mean, I get it as a, you know, you know, if someone's getting on a plane for Christmas, they're going to get stranded. You can pick that up in a sitcom. Yeah. But, um, but before they get stranded, we're treated to a lot of just very, I don't know, busy work, 
you've got Danny Tanner, who I guess works for a TV show, with a commercial handheld camcorder filming everything with such a jerky hand motion that it would cause nausea to anyone watching it. But he's recording it for his news show. You've got Joey and Jesse just breaking out in the Christmas carols ad nauseum. I mean, do you do that? Do you just walk in a room singing? Uh, yes, I do do that. That is part of Pe- my personality. Do- People do break out the carols in real life. All right, yeah. I, I, I didn't really get that. Um, and so, but we see that they're decorating the tree. They're getting the holidays ready, and they're about to leave the house. Um, we find out that DJ, the oldest daughter, found all the gifts that Danny had packed, so she knows what everybody's getting. And eventually, they board. Uh, they board a plane. Like ten minutes in, they board a plane, and there's really no plot. You know, there's really nothing that would, other than the fact, okay, now they're on a the plane. There's nothing that would really give me a sense of where the show is going. Right, in that first part. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> we have a lot to say, apparently, <laughs> on this full house episode. <laughs> I, I mean, well, I mean, because I feel like the, the rest of the episode is very distinct. You know, I think it just needed to get to that part. So what is that part? What, what, so, what, so that what is part the is, is where they have to, to, to land the plane in a small little airport mm-hmm. Uh, and they get stuck there. The cast there. of Full House has to pilot the plane <laughs> to a little airport? Yes. Um, they all have to, like, work the, the knobs individually. So, like, Jesse's pushing down on the, the, knobs. the gas. Yeah. Okay. The, the edit I saw omitted that very daring <laughs> sequence. But they're forced to land because of a snowstorm. And Stephanie believes and worries that, that Santa is not going to be able to find her. Because it's Christmas Eve and she's going to wake up the next day and not have her gifts from Santa. And this is a tricky, I think, plot line for sitcoms to deal with because as a kid, that storyline makes sense. That is your drama. This is, I think the show is now aimed at children. Stephanie wants Santa to bring her the gifts and now she's worried Santa's not going to come. Added to that, by the way, spoiler alert, parents, take the kids out of the room. Um, a, a portion of this plot revolves around the fact that her wanting Santa to do something. We have adults in the sitcom. We have the parents. We have Uncle Jesse. We have a semi-adult Uncle Joey, um, who kind of know that the Santa Claus thing—they, they, you know—it's it's a gimmick. It's it's a fun thing you tell your kid. So they know Santa Claus isn't real. So you have a, a bit of a plot line of they have to somehow handle that. And as an adult now, I can't remember as a kid what it was like to watch. But I mean, this show is written. Enough so that you know they know there's no Santa, right? Uh, the grown-ups, yeah. And even DJ. But not Stephanie. Stephanie still believes. But if this show is aimed at kids, don't you run the risk with a storyline like this? Like, how do you handle it of telling the kid there on during their favorite show, similar to that scene in Gremlins, Santa Claus doesn't exist, kid, and traumatizing them? Uh, well, I think in this case... You give them an ending where Santa Claus might exist. Well, but prior to that, you have Uncle Joey dressing up as Santa Claus. At the everyone's stranded at the airport, looking miserable. This one guy decides that his family's problems are more important than everyone else who's struggling to get home for the holidays. So they have Uncle Joey dress up as Santa and come in to kind of cheer Stephanie up, and Michelle unveils him as Joey by pulling off his beard, and that's a little bit of a tricky kind of Stephanie. I don't think Stephanie thinks, 
uh, that Santa doesn't exist, but she just knows that this Santa, right, is is Uncle Joey. Right. Um, a plot. Something we didn't mention is that all the presents that 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 Danny had packed have have been lost. Right. Have had, did not arrive at the airport. So basically, as DJ says in a line that I think shows up in a lot of sitcom scripts around this time of year, actually makes the statement that this is the worst Christmas ever. Ever. Yep. We probably break for a commercial or something like that. And it does. It seems pretty bleak, doesn't it? It does. These kids aren't going to get their holiday. But then it turns, Tim. We find that Christmas spirit. They start uh, turning things around and they make the best of a bad situation. Well, who starts turning it around? Because this this is sort of our the Bill Murray and Scrooge kind of moment. What, what happens? What, what, what starts to work us into a frenzy that this is the holiday season? Um, well, I, Who is the reason for the season in this particular episode of Full House? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I can't recall. Is it, is it, was it Uncle Jesse? So Uncle Jesse, yes. Yeah. Uncle Jesse takes the, uh, uh, the pedestal monologuing reins. He kind of starts telling people. That's right. He, that Christmas isn't about presents or Santa Claus and music kicks right in. So you know that this isn't a joke. You're not going to get a laugh track on this. You're not going to get uncle Jesse not understanding Christmas because this swell of music kicks in. He tells us that Christmas doesn't have to happen in a place, which is good because they're stranded in the airport. It happens in our heart, you know, and he, and he says that they could give these kids the best Christmas they ever had is, is, is his statement. He starts pointing around the stuff. And again, keeping in mind, this is an airport. This is an airport of people whose flight was grounded, who are miserable because they can't get home for Christmas. And this wonderfully coiffed gentleman is suddenly pointing at stuff saying, what do you see there? I see a coat rack. Well, I see a Christmas tree. What do you see there? I see a vending machine. Well, I see a Christmas feast. And he works them into basically a sing-along. You know, and he works them into this frenzy and he gets everyone to be just to feel like Christmas is the Christmas spirit. He's trying to remind us the true meaning of Christmas, which you can do and you can have, and it can be a miracle. And he does this to impress his crush, Becky. This is why it's like Scrooged, the Bill Murray movie. Yeah. As a kid, this looks meaningful. As a kid, you get teary-eyed because here's someone who's similar to Linus in the wonderful Peanuts special is telling you that the true meaning of Christmas is, insert blank, it's a miracle, it's your family, it's, it's whatever it is. And that is a nice tied little bow. But when you step back in any of these movies, any of these instances, the person delivering this message is a bullshit artist. He's winning Becky over. The, the episode's a plot line we didn't really discuss is that on the plane, Uncle Jesse's father is pushing him to come on to Becky and ask yeah. her out. Apparently, there's been a little history there, and he's saying, no, he can't. And so, because I've done this, I've done a version of this, where I've tried to do the rallying, spotlight-stealing sort of rah-rah speech to get someone's attention. And that's in this episode. Uncle Jesse does that and does that for a good bulk of the episode. And we are supposed to be moved by it. And we are supposed to be given the granted the Christmas spirit. But it's a selfish little performance. It is. I suppose that's true. But it worked. 
But it, well, how does it work? How does this episode wrap up? Well, I mean, it put everyone in the spirit and it made Stephanie, which I think was the focus, not feel so bad. Um, okay. But and then it wraps up the next morning. There's a little bit of magic. And this is what I like in these types of uh, holiday episodes from my youth is that little bit of magic and mystery where suddenly uh, a Santa does show up and he's mm-hmm. uh, got a real beard and he's really there. And also the gifts show up and... Uh, at the airport. At the he airport. He walks into the fucking airport. Yeah. Um, and the gifts are there. Uh, they come out on the conveyor belt all of a sudden. And so that's that's where you get your, your sweet little kid-friendly happy ending that in this storyline, perhaps Santa really does exist. Because the adults are perplexed. Yeah. They can't figure there's it out. There's a little bit of, could that have been? Would that have been? And then there's a weird moment where Skynet comes online <laughs> and flashes a little <laughs> computerized screen to Stephanie that says... Thanks for the help. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there is this moment. We had this last year. Last year we watched the MacGyver episode, a Christmas MacGyver episode. We that had sure a little did. bit of magic sprinkled in. And I guess that's what we did. And how did that strike you? What did what did you think of that? That, that episode overall, it was just a very, very poor episode. And it was trying too hard to have um, this Christmas magic, religious Christmas magic kind of uh, happening. Which Full House skirts a little bit. It doesn't get religious, but it does have the Santa magic. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I feel like you are kind of allowed that. I think you in are. In a Christmas episode. There is a little bit of suspension of disbelief because of the holiday where you can give that um, to your characters. It's odd because in the real world, the Tanners are, again, just flaunting their Christmas in front of everyone else who <laughs> is stranded there. But as a kid's program, as a kid's show... Yeah, this is kind of a this is a sweet sort of Christmas moment, right? Yeah. I mean, what did you think of this episode as it wrapped up? Uh, I think this is what I was expecting all of these episodes to be. Um, kind of, you know, obviously there's going to be some conflict because it's it's television. You need to have some conflict, but then you have the warm, sweet Christmassy ending that you kind of just feel like you can wrap yourself up in and and you feel a little good about. But does it work? Does this work for you? Do you get the feeling you're talking about? I think it did for what the show is. Sure. What does that mean, though, for what the show is? We're adults watching it, so it might be hard. I'm not expecting more from Full House. I thought it was really... But it's a Full House Christmas episode. Aren't you expecting something from a Full House Christmas episode? I'm expecting what we got. We've got a a secret Santa. You know, a possible Mm -hmm. real live Santa sighting. I thought that was sweet. Well, another show that we watched, a Christmas episode that, that, that we watched was from a TV show that I do remember watching. I watched for about three years when it was originally on. Um, were you a fan of, we watched a Christmas episode uh, from, uh, I think it aired December 17th, 1987. It was the 10th episode of season one of A Different World. Yeah. Um, spun off of a show we don't need to mention. Um, and this is an episode called Gift of the Magi, which right off the bat sets up that, yep, this is a Christmas episode. Do you know the Gift of the, the, the Magi story? Um, I, I know once you start telling it to me, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's the Gift of the Magi story. But I couldn't tell you what uh, it is right now. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, uh, you know, I have such beautiful hair, but I cut it off so I can get enough money to, to you know, buy you this condom. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm really good in bed, but I took extends and now I'm numb and I bought you a comb or something. It's like two people who buy each other gifts by selling the whole reason to get the other gift. It's, it's like a sweet story of giving something of yourself to get something and in a different world. I, we should probably say what a different world is because I don't know. Is this a show people know? Do people know and remember a different world? I hope so. I think so. Um, I, mm-hmm. I watched it. I, I pr- probably only watched the, the first season. I don't recall mm-hmm. watching it a lot, but I did watch it when it first came out. Um, and uh, when I was watching it here, my wife watched it with me, and she exclaimed that she watched uh, Different World all the time. So when the opening credits started, I didn't really have a memory of them, but she did, and she kind of like relaxed. She relaxed into them and was like, oh, Different World. What is the plot of Gift of the Magi? What is the holiday angle, and, 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 and where does it go? What is this one about? There is a, uh, a Secret Santa storyline going on, uh, but the main crux of the story is following um, Whitley, who's excited to be going to Switzerland with her, her father, who we find out at the beginning of the episode is recently divorced from the mother. Um, and so it has him arriving at the school to pick up Whitley and take her to Switzerland. And he comes with his new girlfriend, who is about Whitley's age. Like, that's not a Christmas plot line, but I was very surprised with how this episode was able to keep your interest in Christmas going with the secret Santa bullshit <laughs> that's going on with the comical. And I do like everyone's performance. I do like these characters very much. But there's just a lot of people getting really annoyed at the gifts they're giving and a lot of back and forth. And it's fun. Like, that's that. there's a real camaraderie between the characters. I was disappointed that there was no payoff at the end of that, though. To the, the Christmas angle? Yeah. So the gift giving, because once they kept getting annoyed with the gifts that they were receiving, we knew who who was giving them to each other. Um, it was Don Lewis and Marissa Tomei giving their, their gifts to each other. They didn't know until the end. And so they had been complaining about the gifts to each other, not realizing they were from each other. And then when they realized that, they just did a sort of a head, you know, they, they slapped their heads and laughed. And it's like, oh, what a weird situation that was. And that was it. They didn't really expand on that in any way. No, but I think it's because, and maybe this is just what the show was. I mean, the show is dealing with a real issue. Unlike Wings, unlike Full House, um, the episodes we watched, I'm not debasing their entire run, but unlike those shows, A Different World is dealing with a real social issue with with, with um, Whitley coming to terms with her we keep saying the same thing, but coming to terms with her father's uh, new girlfriend. So that's that's your through line. Yeah. That line happens to be happening at Christmas. So that's the line you find resolution in. And then part of it is that um, her, her dad's new girlfriend gives her a present, um, which Whitley initially discards. And then eventually, I think it's a scarf or something. She ends up wearing it. I don't quite remember what, what the gift was. but Yeah, was, I think it was a belt. That actually turned out to be a perfect Santa belt because she was wearing a Santa coat at the end. So it's good that it was was the holidays. That makes sense then. But I don't know. It was I. I very much enjoyed watching this, and I think part of it's because there was some emotional. All of these are good actors. All of these are good performers in their roles, and they're not broad like the previous two shows. There's emotional depth to each character and to the plot line. But yeah, I guess like you're saying, Christmas gets lost a little bit in this particular episode. Um. 
Yeah, I, th- I think of of all of the episodes we watched, it was the most um, Christmas looking. They did a very good job of dressing the set. Um, so I never, in every scene, you knew it was a Christmas season because of the appearance of everything. Like in Wings, when they were in the airport, they maybe had a wreath in the back or something. No big deal. Um, and then, yeah, the the airport where they were at, they eventually decorated it, but it never looked like it. This, from the start of the episode, they were decorating a tree and there was just decorations throughout. Um, uh, Dwayne Wayne kept carrying mistletoe around. Everybody was wearing a red hat. So there's constant visual reference to Christmas. Did it spark anything for you for Christmas? Did it give you any of that kind of feeling of, oh, okay, the holidays? Like, it, it, was it meaningful in that respect? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I liked just because it did have that warm look and vibe. There was gift wrapping. There was a uh, charity, you know, so um, I, I got that vibe. I didn't necessarily get it from the storyline, um, but but it just it was almost like the background of the episode was was uh, more Christmassy than the, the crux of the episode. I enjoyed this and it made me want to watch more Different World episodes. Oh. It didn't, of the three we've talked about so far, it was the least... Christmassy to me, even though everything you're just saying is true, and, and the holidays are very much present there. But in watching it, I was I did get the feeling that if this was a show I watched week to week, it would have felt more like Christmas because it's an ongoing plot. You're following these characters. It's actually Whitney's episode, but it's happening at Christmas time. So if I wasn't expecting Christmas, I would feel it. I would see it. This probably plays well in the chronology of episodes, as not you know, hammering your head with it's Christmas, but you know, being just an episode that takes place at Christmas. So I liked it, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't memorable as a Christmas episode, but, and if I may say to listeners, definitely kind of pushed me to want to watch more a different worlds. Yeah. I would go back to a different world. I remember enjoying it. Do you remember enjoying the last show we're going to be talking about? I do remember enjoying it. Yeah. This was another one of my picks for the episode. But you grew up watching uh, The Golden Girls. Um, I did watch a lot of The Golden Girls. I don't know exactly how that came to be, but I feel like I did watch quite a bit of The Golden Girls. I um, I know it was on Saturday nights. It was a show I was very much aware of. I'm going to preface this by saying I love this show now. I, I find it very entertaining. I, I watched a lot when you spend Lifetime, when I had Lifetime. As a kid... I hated oh, really? the idea of this show. I don't know if it was because it was on Saturday nights. I don't know if I just thought, well, who wants to watch this? It's horrible, these old characters. But this was not a show I was drawn to. When I first heard the title, you know how when they were like, you know, previewing what was coming up for the fall season, I thought it was a, a He-Man or a superhero type show because of, yeah, <laughs> Golden I Girls. I thought it was the Golden Girls. I thought it was literally about girls that had powers and 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 that's what i thought it would be so when i found out when i saw that it was like old ladies i was thrown but somehow i ended up watching it so you didn't think like oh that's the bartender from moss Eisley? (laughs) no i did not think that for someone who watched a lot of tv because i watched tons of sitcoms saturday was not a night where i did saturday nights were probably the one that i didn't tune into sitcoms so that block of shows is probably like empty nest 227 amen this show golden girls these were shows that i knew existed but i never really tuned into that was my night then because i watched loads of amen <laughs> i did well 
and one day we will do a loads of amen program. But uh, tonight, what we'll do, uh, we'll round up our discussion. We're going to talk about an episode of Golden Girls from season two. Um, this originally aired December 20th, 1986, so very close to Christmas, Saturday before Christmas, um, 11th episode of the season. And it's entitled, strangely enough, Twas the Nightmare Before Christmas. And it opens, it starts, so we know that it's the holidays, with uh, Blanche fucking a Santa That's, Claus. Well, trying to. Trying to fuck a yeah. Santa Claus. Okay. And then uh, Dorothy and uh, Rose Ro- Rose had gone Christmas shopping, mm-hmm. and they, they come back home. And you get kind of right off the bat, Dorothy is a little grouchy about this whole Christmas thing. Yeah. She feels Christmas has gotten commercial. She's the sort of the Linus of the group. And that's, that's what I always like to see in a Christmas special. I want to see the person who's turned off by the holiday. I hate this Christmas stuff. Or, oh, Christmas is just commercial. Or, grow up. Yeah. Or, um, that's jizz on my hands. Whatever it is somebody says <laughs> to make Christmas seem less... Um, less appeasing to them. I, I enjoy that in a plot line. And we hadn't really had that in the previous three, really. The Wings, um, no. the, the the Full House, wings, or wings the Different World. Wings hinted to it, but it, it, then it's veered off in another direction. That's true. They, they, it gave a woman a heart attack. But um, but this, I don't know. I the, What I like about Golden Girls is that it's, it's very quippy. These are very snappy responses. This is basically a drag show, and I love it because everyone is funny and everyone has a comeback. And now that I've watched enough, the comebacks are very much rooted in each character. This is a well-written, well-honed character piece yeah. to the point that this whole Christmas episode kind of plays like vignettes. Like, yeah. I don't, there's not much of a plot momentum here no it's a very strangely formatted uh episode not what i was expecting um so when when i was researching and trying to figure out which which shows to watch um i went to full house first um and then i when i saw the golden girls was accessible and we could watch this episode um i thought oh that'd be a perfect uh they're very accessible and they have to be well i want to make sure that handicap accessible yes we need to be able to see these two I wasn't going to pick – I tried to pick just the 10 of us, but we couldn't get uh, a, a just the 10 of us that we could find and watch. Just couldn't bring it in. Yeah. Couldn't make it happen. It was not a Christmas miracle <laughs> when it comes to Coach Lebeck. Was that his yeah, name? Yeah, Coach Lubbock, right? The guy who thought he was a typewriter and would slap his forehead? Uh, I always remember him as the, the roll-on deodorant where he would lower his head into his shirt. And because he was bald, he looked like a roll-on deodorant, or so he said. So he was just doing his stand-up act on the TV show, the difference being he was doing it in a very big pair of sweatpants. Yeah. I'll link to something just so people know what we're talking <laughs> about. But, uh, but So you found Golden Girls. I found Golden that's Girls. Accessible. Yeah, I thought it would be the opposite of Full House. It would be, instead of young kids, it would be the, the older ladies. Um, and I also saw that the plot synopsis had them um, not able to get home. It takes 20 minutes to get there. It does. I mean, af- after Blanche fucks the Santa Claus, <laughs> um, which has some very funny lines. I will be honest. Um, it's when when they, when they Blanche comes out with the guy in the Santa Claus costume and she's about to introduce him, Rose actually says, we know who he is, Blanche, because she believes it really is Santa. And she's really hurt. Yeah. She's really disgusted um, that, that, uh, that, that, that Blanche would sleep with Santa. Yeah. And I think someone has a line where they're like, um, that that is Santa Claus because he's giving people what they want for Christmas. 
And I think Dorothy responds, he's trying to. I saw her list. Like, there's a lot of sexual innuendo. Yeah. Like, these characters are so sexually charged, and I love it. <laughs> and, you know, and it's it's open-minded. I mean, Blanche establishes a pretty convincing Santa Claus fetish. I bet this is a real thing. Yeah. I bet there are a lot of people into Santa. She's one of them. But so that kind of peters off, though, because that Santa Claus character doesn't stay there. I don't even know if he had any lines. <laughs> ho, ho, no, he did not. <laughs> he was just there. Um, I think I think they did a few lines off of Blanche's <laughs> mirror, but I don't think he had any. But what happens? So what? That kind of what what happens though? Where does that lead us? Because if that Santa's leaving, the story has to go on. Somehow we get to the point where they're making gifts for each other, but I don't remember why. Yeah, well, I think because of the commercialism, um, and and I think they kind of segued into you know it, it's more meaningful to instead of buying something to to make something. And so, oh, because Estelle Getty, the, the stopper my mom will shoot, Estelle Getty, who's Dorothy's mom, comes back with a bunch of gifts that she had bought with Dorothy's credit right. card. And I think Dorothy's saying you have to bring those gifts back. So is that how it is? In replacement of that, they decide that they'll all just make each other I gifts. I think that's how they segue to that. Okay. So that's kind of the next plot. So you kind of think like, all right, well, maybe somebody's going to make a gift that, that sends someone on an emotional roller coaster or something. But... They all kind of make gifts for each other. I, I think Dorothy gets a uh, like a like a maple sap plug for syrup. Yeah. Um, Blanche, <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines of the episode, where she says, "This is going to come in handy when I get lost in the wood in the woods with a stack of pancakes." <laughs> I uh, this also had one of my favorite lines. Blanche makes everyone a calendar for the holidays, yeah. which is each of her sexual conquests of the previous year which prompts stopper my mom to shoot to say i'm surprised you're able to walk in october like this these are great jokes and i was laughing but in the middle of that joke i was still kind of thinking like where are we we're just sitting in the house with them handing gifts around who's gonna expose themselves as having heartbreak at christmas who's gonna break down who's 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 gonna have some issue um and 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 you know we get them they're about to sing they start singing in unison which is the one trope i really hate it came up in full house and i couldn't stand it but in this one they start to sing in unison and then rose starts a story which i thought was a nice sort of cynical subversion of the trope like this this show is so aware of what it's doing and it's great that it, it can almost get away without a plot but i was still sort of confused Watching this, I was a little confused because I was just like, so what's going to happen? And, and I guess they're all getting ready to leave for the holidays. I think they're all going to their families. So my guess is, okay, and then we're going to go to the airport next. But we go to Rose's job. Mm-hmm. Rose works at a, a crisis center, I guess. Yeah, crisis center, grief counseling, something to that effect. Had that is that established early on or is that just this one episode? You know, I, I don't recall her having this job. So maybe it is just this one episode. Maybe it was like a part-time holiday gig. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Golden Girls expert, unfortunately. Well, more so than I am. But um, she she's in this. It's Christmas Eve. She's in the office. She's like the secretary, the assistant to to the actual therapist. And 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 so people come in. The principal from Growing Pains is is one of the patients who's waiting there. Um, someone on the phone, I think, is a producer of Howard the Duck, who's depressed, which I thought was a pretty funny reference because it had come out that 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 same year. I did think you'd like that. I was like, oh, a Tim line. And I enjoyed it. There were some funny jokes and all the Golden Girls come in because they're all going to go to, except for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. But uh, but Dorothy and Blanche come in because they're waiting for, for Rose to, to, to come with them. And and Rose has to help each you know each person coming in and, and recommend them to the doctor. And, and a gentleman who I think the credit said was Terry Kaiser, if I read that right, which would make him Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Mm. Um, a gentleman comes in uh, 
in a Santa Claus suit, which kind of turns turns Blanche uh, Blanche on a bit, makes makes her a little you know whatever damp, moist, whatever. But um, it's a guy in a Santa suit. We've seen Santa suits in most of the other uh, episodes we've watched, but this Santa, um, this Santa shows up with a gun. Uh, he, he, he shows up toting a, a, a gun and I have to say right before he revealed the gun, I knew where it was going, but I knew where it was going through the observation of sort of what, um, what the, the fuck is happening. <laughs> right. That's the route you go, a gun toting Santa Claus. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not stranded at, at the airport, which is where I thought it was right. going, but that's a discomforting route to head to. Yeah. This guy is, and this guy, he, he's mentally unstable. He's alone on Christmas and he's holding them hostage because he wants to, 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 to make people celebrate Christmas with him. This is a morose theme yeah. that de-escalates quickly. Very quickly. It's almost like they just sort of blow it off. But before they can, we get the one emotional beat. Rose stands up to this guy because I think their big fear is that being held hostage is going to make them late for the airport. (laughs) Not so much being held hostage means one of them could be shot, but but, but they're going to be late. So she kind of rose in this weird, very self-aware emotional moment tells the gentleman that people don't owe you a Christmas because it makes you happy. He's holding them hostage because he wants to feel good about Christmas. Yeah. And she kind of puts him in his place, which is a very risky move from Rose's point of view. And and, and I will say the jokes were funny. I'm glad it de-escalated quickly, but the appearance of a gun just made me think this is going into different strokes territory. <laughs> this is examining a topic that might be a little too big. Did you think someone was going to die in this episode? I didn't know if someone was going to die, but just someone waving a gun around. And I, I knew there would be quips. I knew there would be jokes. But I just thought that there would also just be a lot of tension, which I wasn't ready for. Right. The tension I want for my Christmas episodes isn't life or death. Right. Which is, thank God, why we didn't do the ALF Christmas episode I almost picked up. We'll talk about that someday. We'll have to. That's all we'll life and to. death. But um, I don't know. What did you think of this? I mean, this should have been... The crux of the plot, it seems like, because this is a pretty dramatic yeah, moment. Yeah, I thought, I thought this would have been most of the episode. I thought this was, okay, fine, this is where they're going to get stuck. Instead of stuck at an airport, they're stuck, you know, behind uh, this this gun-toting Santa, and maybe there's um, a hostage situation, and they have to call someone in to negotiate, and who knows what could have happened. Um, but um, I think it was, like you're saying, a vignette. It's almost like they took what could have been a half an hour situation uh, episode and and put it into like the the second act uh 10 minute segment about just that little story that turned around real quickly and rose saved the day um and de-escalated it and then um uh sophia shows up and and just is like so blase about it and realizes it's a, a toy gun because she's italian and she would know um and yeah it was it that's was, the stereotype they work yeah, off of <laughs> it was quick and easy I guess, and then he gets therapy, so that's that's a win for him. And I just feel like, like you said, in any other sitcom, that would have been the big plot, and he would have had an emotional moment. But nope, they just move on to another scene because that's not the end of the episode. Yeah, they finally make it to the airport, <laughs> which is where I thought they were going before um, it became that that Dwayne Barry episode of the X Files. 
But uh, they get to the airport, which again, I've never involved an airport in any of my Christmases, but it's been involved in most of my Christmas episodes I've watched. And to no one's surprise, because why would you go to an airport on Christmas Eve unless you wanted to have your flight canceled? The flights have been canceled. Right. Because of severe weather. Not snow, because we're in Florida. Their flights have been canceled, which, again, you think you introduce that in the first act and you get a plot, but it's the end of the episode. So I thought, oh, all right, I guess they're just stranded. And so they all go to a diner. <laughs> There's still 10 minutes of show <laughs> exactly. left. We've gone through, we've gone through um, a, a, the dawn of a new bearded fetish. Yeah. We've gone through a hostage situation. Don't forget the homemade we've gift gone through, We've gone through the emotional Christmas is what you make, not what you buy. We've gone through the, oh, we're stranded for Christmas. And now we're going to get some coffee at a diner. Can't have a Golden Girls episode without some cheesecake. Is that what that is? Because there is cheesecake. Is that was that a common thing? I, I don't uh, it know. was. It was pretty common. I don't know if it was every episode, but it was pretty common. All right, so that's why you go there. But they get there, and it's just more interactions, and it's funny, and there's some humor, and it's stories, and I guess you know it's 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 the family unity of Christmas is what we're getting at. Yeah. But uh, they're the only ones in the diner. There's a gentleman who works there, and he's talking about how he can't get home for the holidays. They're all talking about how they can't get home for the holidays. And then all of a sudden, and I think again, it's Rose. We get a moment. This is the only moment of the episode, not the only moment of the episode I was thrown off of because that hostage scenario (laughs) really did throw me. But this was the only time I thought, Oh no, the show's about to fail or, Oh no, the show's going to lose me. Cause all of a sudden they start spelling out what I guess was the main post, uh, the main note card on the idea board when they were writing the episode. Rose actually starts to spell it out by saying, we were feeling so sorry for ourselves. We forgot that we were celebrating Christmas. Like she's basically almost breaking down the fourth wall to say, look at us, we're a family. Look at us, we're together. And fortunately, Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot breaks it with some sort of a joke. But that is the theme the idea is that we are a family. We can share the holidays together. So much to the point that they decide to send the owner of the restaurant home. <laughs> because he was missing his family. So they're the only customers there. They could have gone outside so he could go home. But instead they send him home and offer to run the, 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 the cafe, which the legality of that was massive. <laughs> but he leaves. It was only going to be gone an hour, Tim. That's a long time for someone to be working your cash register and coffee machines. But uh, they're there. They realize they're a family. They're happy to be there. And then we do get a little bit of a Christmas miracle in the form of... Snow! In Miami. Yeah. We get snow. And that is finally where you wrap up the episode a little bit. With, with you know They beat you over the head a little bit with the Christmas theme. We're all family and Christmas is what you make of it. And, and then we get some snow. You get your typical miracle. And that's great. Yeah, and then they offset the miracle by playing Surf and Safari on the jukebox. That was pretty funny. Yeah. They decided to play some Christmas carols, and it's a surfing surfing safari, like you just said. And, I, I mean, I of the four shows we watched, I enjoyed this one the most. Well, for sure, this is the best of the four. <laughs> yeah. Did you not enjoy it the most? No, no, no. I, it's, I enjoyed it the most as a sitcom, as an episode of television. It was the funnier one uh, of, of all of them. So, yes, it, it's the better show. I think I got my Christmas vibe 
from Full House, and maybe a lot of that was just from my own uh, reminiscing and nostalgia for Full House, uh, since I did watch it uh, when it first was on. Um, but it had well, they share a lot of the same tropes. They're both stranded. Yeah, they're both but I think, family. They're both airport. I think it was the warmer one, and so I think as a Christmas episode, Full House wins this round. But as a as a good half hour of television, for sure, the Golden Girls. Where I am now in life as an adult, you know, living with someone I love, so that's great, but not really connecting, not having the social circles I've had in the past, not making it to family as much as I want. You know, that makes these holidays a little more painful. That makes these holidays a little harder to bear because I don't have that social hug of everyone and the gift giving and the ice skating and whatever that I used to have because I'm a little more curmudgeonly. But to watch an episode of people at this point of their life, later in their life, later on down the line, the Golden Girls, make that simple realization that at least, you know, their their world is small. You know, it's just the four of them. They're cut off because of this winter miracle storm for the rest of the world. But they, they did find some solace in it. And it wasn't over the top. I mean, it was when they were held hostage. And it was when they were preaching. But there was something about the comfort of just sitting in a diner with the, with the first snowfall of Miami's history, that really did kind of spark what I think I want now from something Christmassy. And it's changed. I think I used to want the Full House episode. I used to want the reaffirmation of a Christmas miracle. But with this, and with this Golden Girls episode, it was just sort of the simple, I don't know, statement that that, that they were happy to be together. And that that, that satisfied me as a Christmas episode. I I, I liked it. Do you think you'll watch more Christmas episodes, sitcom episodes? Um, no, I don't think I will. I don't watch a lot of sitcoms regularly now, and so I don't think that'll happen. But I, I'm glad we did. Okay, I was I was trying to think how do we wrap this <laughs> yeah. up. I'm glad we did watch these because it is it is something we miss, and 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 I've complained about that a bit on this show uh, that my kids don't have the same viewing habits that I did. Um, everything is streaming. Everything is um, is binged. Um, and so they don't have a season of television that they they would watch. There isn't a, a series that they you know come around December that they know there's going to be a holiday episode because they're not watching it that way. So I'm glad that we had an opportunity to, to watch the Christmas episodes. And uh, maybe I will go back and watch one or two of these with my kids if I can. Merry Christmas, Netflix. Merry Christmas, Hulu. Merry Christmas, <laughs> Disney Plus. Plush. Plus. <laughs> I have a Disney plush. I have quite a few. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Do you have any Disney lush? I hey, if you like know. jokes like that, <laughs> if you're into puns <laughs> in the new year coming up, check out 20th, what is it? 20pop.com. No, 20popcast.com. That's the <laughs> website. That's the festive website for 2020 here at the end of 2019 as well, where you can always find 20th Century Pop, this show, this holiday shit fest of a program if you like it <laughs> did you like it did you listen to it uh you did listen to it because you listen to this part but if you want to hear it if you want to hear more check out 20popcast.com that's what i'm trying to say it's a website for the show um it's got the most recent episode up there for streaming it's got links to all of our past episodes there's a couple broken links in there right now because we're updating the website still or maybe by now it's fixed who knows but check us out there you can also subscribe to our show uh, we would ask that if you do want to hear us every week subscribe to us on uh apple podcasts on spotify on uh, stitcher on google podcasts on all sorts of podcast providers um you can also leave a little review you can follow us on instagram at 
uh, 20 Popcast. You can follow us on Twitter, also at 20 Popcast. And Bob, I want to give you my Christmas gift to you, my festive holiday treat, is I want to give you a little platform to uh, promote what I want you to promote, and maybe you don't want to, but uh, yeah, do you have anything you want to tell the listeners to check out? Well, I uh, sure, Tim. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I'm trying my darndest to get back uh, doing a weekly comic strip. Uh, I have tried out a couple of different forms of displaying this in the past, and I think I've fallen into something that I like um, via Instagram. Um, so uh, Instagram and Twitter. So if you want, you can look for uh, my Twitter account, which I've set up for it. There are no strips there yet, but if you want to check it out, uh, it's at Bob Issues um, on Twitter um, because my strip I've, I've named uh, Bob Has Issues. Uh, that's what you're going to see. And so that's where it is on Twitter. I haven't set up the Instagram page yet, but that'll be set up soon. Right now on Facebook, I'm, I'm testing out, and on my own personal Instagram account, I'm testing out formatting and sizes and shit. So I think that's what you're talking about, right, Tim? Yeah, and I think by the time maybe. this goes up, maybe you'll be even further along. But I'm just saying, yeah, listeners, by in 2020, check out Bob's Bob's comics. I'll link to them in, in, that's, in the, in the That's the, the target notes. year, 2020. So yeah, I, I, no, I, think I plan on rolling them out in January. That would be awesome. And that's, you know, we're coming into the new year. We've got a couple of the big announcements we'll be making at the start of the new year for the podcast. So that's great as well. It's but uh, for this year, as we're wrapping up, uh, we might we might have one more episode after this. There might be like a best of 2019 episode, which is an arrogant thing to, to decide to do, but maybe we will. Um, but uh, regardless of that, thank you, listeners. It's been a rocky year for the podcast. A little some ups and downs, some gaps in episodes, but, uh, but we're back on track, I think. I've been enjoying doing it. Appreciate Steady. Um, pretty steady. That's what we'll say as these hands shake. So uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Bob. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas, Tim. Thank you. And also to you listeners. And uh, we'll be back again, probably with a little res- retrospective episode right around New Year's, but we'll be back in 2020, hopefully staying in this bi-weekly schedule. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's it. Ho, ho, ho. I know. That's dumb. Well, there are, there, there are Christmas sounds. That's not... That is one. That's just not a good one. Jing, jingle, jingle. Gift paper sound. <clears throat> Candy cane. That's pretty good. That's not obnoxious at all. That's great. No. That's You'll end great. it before the ho, ho, ho. Right there, there's a clean break. Oh, clean breaks. Yeah. <laughs>